are about to get started. Head out to Children's Church or you've got a lesson prepared for you. So we spent all of last month talking about being a new you in the new year and how God, at any time, but we use the new year to kind of talk about it, that you can be released from the past, right? You can, uh, you can be reborn again. You can be restored to what God intended for you to be in the beginning. And you can be revived, filled with power from on high to have new life inside of you. And that's what we talked about last week. But something plagued me. And that is, if it is this power of God that is inside of us that gives us life, then in order to understand what that life should look like and what it is, we must understand what his power is. And so that's what we're talking about all of this month is power. So let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 4 or verses 3 through 4. Here Peter writes this. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So what is this divine power? So I had to begin with the question, what is power? What is it? Is it electricity? Is that power? No, that's an example. That is an example of power. Is it, is it physical exertion? The ability to do more than the person next to you? No, that is an example of power. Uh, is it weaponry? Right, because we use the word fire power. Is it weaponry? Uh, no. That's another example of something that carries uh, power. Uh, is it, it's, so I'm trying to figure out what it is. Is it a force? Is it a, is it a flow? It, is, it, is it potential? Is it, uh, is it destructive damage? Just the ability to annihilate something? Is that, is that power? I started thinking, I go, well, power, power creates movement, right? But, well, except that power also stops movement. So I, I'm telling you, I had, I had a rough week. I hit this, the first of this week, this question, what is power? Because this world is going to tell you all kinds of things that power is. And tells you that power, power is um, uh, physical strength. Or power is your purchasing power, what you can buy. It is the amount of possessions you have. Or these, it's the amount of influence and sway and control you can have over someone else. That's what power is. But is it? What is, when we use that word, what does it mean? 
And I ask you to think about that for just a minute. What does it mean, the word power? It bugged me. It bugged me so bad, you'd have thought I was crazy. Tuesday, I'm here at the office, and it got so... I, 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 was tr- I was searching the scriptures, trying to find out, how, how do you define power? What is power? I even went to Webster's, even. I, I, I said, well, maybe Webster's got it. Can't find No, none of his explanations uh, fully satisfied what I believe that power is or how it's supposed to be defined, what it means, especially what divine power that gives us all we need for life and righteousness. What is it? And so I, I lost, you, you can kind of see it coming up in me because I kind of lost my mind. And I started pacing up and down the halls out here, just going back and forth. And I'm muttering to myself, going, what is power? Is it this? No, it's not this. It's this. Is it not this? And I'm just going back and forth, and I'm arguing with myself. And, of course, Bella hears something happening out in the hall. So she comes out, and she goes, Dad? She starts walking down. She falls. I didn't even notice her at first. She's, I'm just sitting there going, I can't figure it out. And she walks up, and she goes, she goes Dad, what, what, are you, what, are you, what are you doing? And I said, I said, Bella, Bella, great, you're here. What is power? I don't know. Help your dad, hon. What's power? Tell me, what, what is it? Help me. She goes, electricity? I go, no, I've already done that. It's not electricity. And she goes, I'm going back to my work and left. So I was left all alone to figure out power. What is it? What does it mean? God's power is working in us. What does that mean? Like, how ridiculous of a question it is that I'm, I'm stumped and stumbled upon. I, I just... But it's so important for us to understand what God's doing in us. So it's in these next few weeks. I stumbled upon my aha moment where it seemed that it all kind of came together and all of these different scriptures that I had been reading suddenly gelled into one common thing. But I, I, don't, I don't know if I could, st- I, I still don't know if I could define power. But I'm going to tell you over the next four weeks what it is. We're going to talk about the four, the four aspects of what makes power, what defines it, what it, what it is. So you and I, we're going we're gonna to look at that. Power begins and originates in authority. It originates in authority. That may sound confusing uh, at, at first, but it really shouldn't because at the very beginning of the Bible. Genesis 1, verse 4. Nothing is, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, you may be sitting there going, well, the power was in his speaking. No, he got to back up even further than that. He had the authority to speak. 
The power is found in the fact that he had the authority to say for light to come into existence and it sprang into existence. It had to obey because he had the authority. It kind of gelled with one of the things that, that we were talking about. I had this image there of, of, of uh, you know, you have the image of the bully, right? The bully that, that shoves you down. And, and, and beat you up, whatever he does. You know, and I was thinking, man, does that bully have power? And I realized, if the one being bullied, st- picture this for a second. You've got, a, you've got a bully and the one being bullied, and the one kid shoves the other one down, and he feels powerful. All that kid has to do to make that bully feel no power at all is just to stand back up to stand back up and say you don't get to push me down and so I realized he may be that bully may be being forceful but he doesn't have the authority to do what he did so real power begins with authority and all authority originates in God when there was nothing he was and what he says becomes and what he speaks is it's the way that it works everything in this life exists by his authority he spoke light came into being he spoke and the and the land separated from the waters he spoke and life sprang up You and I, everything we are and everything we have and everything we do only happens by God's authority. You did not exist before you were born and decide what your parents were going to be, nor decide what your talents were going to be. You had no say, no influence, no sway. You may sit here and you may say, I've got all of these talents because, because I worked hard, I practiced, I practiced and that's why I'm good at this sport. Or I studied and that's why I'm good at this subject, but I'm going to take you all the way back. The only reason you have the ability to think or the ability to perform is because God determined one time that you would even exist. You only exist because he has the authority to decide it. And if he, in his authority, decided that you were to no longer exist, you would not. Everything about you exists on his authority. You breathe because he wants you to. Not because you can. Because he wants you to. Everything goes to his authority. So after the resurrection of Jesus, we see Jesus uh, appears. It's in Matthew chapter 28. We'll put this up on the screen. And this is uh, at the beginning of the Great Commission when he is sending uh, his disciples and his followers out. And this is what he says to them. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is actually going to be very important here in a minute. 
We know from Hebrews that Christ, when he came to the earth, he left behind what it meant to be God. Everything that he did in this life, he did by God's authority and not his own. He was demonstrating and showing to us what a life surrendered to the Father could look like if we lived and exercised God's authority and not our own. But after his resurrection, he says, the Father has given it all. And that is where he begins his instructions to his disciples to go into the world and to do everything he has been doing. Just as the Father who had all authority appointed him to come and to do what he did, now that authority has been given to Christ and Christ looks at you and I, each and every one of us, and he says, you, I have now given the authority as the Father gave it to me. I am giving it to you to go out and to do what I have been doing. In fact, in John, he says, you will do greater things than these. God, Christ, has given you authority. If you are a Christian, you carry it. Whether you use it is a different story. But that authority is in you, and you will never understand the power of God if you first do not understand exerting or using the authority that God has placed within you. I have no right... I don't. I have, I am a ridiculous introvert. The only way I stand up in front of groups of dozens to thousands is because I stand not on my authority, but because I exercise the authority of Jesus which has been placed within me. I speak truth unapologetically, not because it's what I believe to be true, but because he has told me it is, and he has given me the authority to share with you and with everyone what the truth is. That authority has been given to you. You have the authority to speak, to serve, to minister on God's behalf. You are his ambassadors imploring with the world, be reconciled to God over and over and over again. You begin to understand and it begins to play out the fact that all of the scriptures are talking about how we are struggling. We are stuck between the flesh and the spirit. We've been made alive in the spirit and we're dead in the flesh. We're supposed to crucify, uh, I'm supposed to crucify myself with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I'm supp- I'm supp- my authority is supposed to go away. That's what John the Baptist said. I must become less, he must become greater. That should be our principle. My authority should be dead, gone. I don't preach because because Nathan prepared a lesson. I preach because God has a message that he has given me to preach. You, it is the same way. You and I, we've got to leave our authority behind. Stop trying to do Christianity based on our, our own authority. Because there is no work that I can do. None that will make me more righteous. The only thing that brings righteousness to me, according to 1 Peter, is what? Exercising the divine power that is within me. So I no longer exert my authority. I exert God's. I will speak where he speaks. I'll be silent where he, be, where he is silent. I will love because he loved. Do you realize that everything, even in the Christian world, 
You can't even come to a belief or an understanding of Jesus. You cannot come to faith unless God first calls you, the Scriptures say. Unless God first calls you. Why? Because even your accepting Him is under His authority. This authority. So let's look. Let's talk, right? Let's get, let's get into it, because it's, right, let's not just keep, I'm, you gotta, you got you gotta bear with me, because I, so what authority is in us? The first thing that we have to understand is that we have the authority to approach God. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of God. We do not understand the authority that that alone gives us. We live in a free society and you can't walk into the White House and see the president. We probably live as free as any people have ever lived on this earth. We can't walk into the president's office and just chit-chat with him. Secret Service is going to look at you and say, who are you? You're nobody. Let alone you go back to any imagery of any king before. No peasant, not one, would have stormed in with chest puffed out, Lord King, and told the king what he thought. They're gone. No one would do that. They didn't have the authority to approach the king. You don't have the authority to approach the president in the most free nation in the world. And it was that way with the Jews. It was that way with God. There was a shroud between us and God. We, because of our sin, could not come into his presence. We couldn't be close to him. And so in the temple, there was the Holy of Holies where one person, one day a year, could go inside and actually mankind could meet with God for a very brief time. But when Jesus breathed his last, well, you've got the darkness, you've got the earthquake, but one of the things, the mo- one, probably the most important thing that happens is that curtain which hung between the rest of the temple where the people were and the Holy of Holies, that curtain, God ripped it in half. When you pray, when we pray, When we worship, we stand in the presence of God at his throne. Wow, that's that's crazy. You never have to wonder, does God hear your prayer? You are at his feet 
when you pray. The authority to have that one-on-one relationship with God is what empowers us as Christians. Yeah, in the Old Testament, right, because there's that shroud, there's that disconnect. The people prayed, but they didn't, they couldn't trust that God heard them. They didn't know. He didn't talk back. Every once in a while, a prophet would pop up and give them a message and write a book. Every once in a while, the king would get up who was a righteous king. But other than that, they were pretty much in the dark except for the priest that went in once a year. But after Jesus' death, after his resurrection, after his ascension, when the apostles and the 120 were gathered up in the upper room at the day of Pentecost and they were praying, the Holy Spirit came down upon them and filled every one of them with power from on high. And it began with the authority to represent God in this world. And every one of them stepped out and began to proclaim and preach. Not one prophet was raised, 120. All who accepted him that day, all who were his children, became intimate and became his representatives. In that moment. And from then on, every time someone came to faith in Jesus, they were anointed with power from on high. It's not like it was. It's not just a few that carry the authority of God inside of them. All of us do. The second authority we have is this. It is authority over the enemy. Satan is a much larger and much stronger creature. But you have been given power over him. You have been given authority over him. Luke 10, 19. Let's go ahead and do the verse. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Now, depending on where you read, okay, there are uh, uh, some preachers, some scholars, there are some commentaries that will tell you, well, Jesus was merely speaking to the 12, and this authority was only given to the 12 apostles to do this. It was not given to the entire church. I would like to point out to you and to them and to anyone who will listen. How many people did Jesus send out two by two? And they went out and the demons submitted in their name and they all reported back and praised God because of the authority that had been given them. How many was that? 72. I'm doing my math right. That's like six groups of apostles. I don't think we have those. The authority that Jesus handed out was to those who go out in his name. 
those who represent him in this world. That power has been placed over all of them. But it isn't. I want to, I want to make it clear here. That I've got two sermons going on in my head at the same time. One is we're talking about authority, but the other one is you've got to keep in your mind it isn't your authority, it's God's authority. You cannot exercise your authority even in the name of Jesus and think anything will happen. Maybe this sounds confusing. You've got to exercise the authority of, of, of you've got to exercise God's authority, not your authority. I'll give you the perfect example. So the apostles, the believers, other people, they're going around and they are casting out demons in the name of Jesus. Boom! Get out of there! And they're flying off. You know, in Acts, some Jewish exorcists. They like that power. They like that authority. They they enjoy that. They they see that and they're like, ooh, we're going to tap into that. So they go out as a group and they find a demoniac, a a demon-possessed man. And they walk up to him and they say, In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, we command you to come out. See? They're using the name of Jesus. They obviously believe that Jesus has the power to do it. The demon looks at them, or the the demon-possessed man, I guess, looks at him and goes, Jesus I know. Paul I know. You? I don't don't know you. And then he beats the living tar out of them. So they run away bleeding. What's the difference in both of the stories? Both of them called upon the name of Jesus, right? You know what the difference is? Those Jewish exorcists were not exercising the authority of of God. They were exercising their own. They were just using the name of Jesus. That's not where the power is. It is in the authority of God in us. And this shouldn't surprise us. We have this authority right now. Paul, when he's talking to the church, you know, they're having arguments and disagreements. And he says, you guys, how can you not get this together? He goes, you're going into the, you're going into the courts to settle church disputes. He goes, that's, that's ridiculous. He says, you ought to be able to figure it out and judge between yourselves. He says, do you not know that we are going to judge the angels? Our, the, the, other than God, his son, and the Holy Spirit, there is nothing with authority over us. Not because we are anything, but because His authority has been placed in us. Paul says we will judge the angels. You have power. You have authority over the enemy. Let's get to a fun one, right? Authority to forgive. Absolutely love this one because we never talk about it, especially in Protestant churches because we're scared of it. So Jesus, after he's resurrected, right? After he's uh, uh, come back, he appears to his uh, followers and he says, it says, uh, Jesus said to them again, John 20, 21 to 23, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Hold on for a second. Okay. Mark 
Mark has a great commission where he sends them out. Matthew has a great commission. And they sound different. They, they remember, I don't know if they remember, they, they just focus on different things that Jesus said as the, as the commission to go out and do. This is John's. This is where John is writing out Jesus' instructions. He is sending us out just like they, he does in Matthew, just like he does in Mark. But this is how it happens in John. He says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. You have the authority to forgive sin. What does that mean? What authority? Okay, I want to clarify something because I've had people say to me at at, at times, well, pastor, that's if someone sins against me, I I can forgive them. Can't atheists do that? Do I have to believe in God to be able to forgive someone when they've done something wrong to me? Don't I, just by nature of being a human being, have that authority? If I already have that authority, then what is this authority he's given me? If it is not to exercise the forgiveness of sins on behalf of God Almighty. I didn't need Jesus to be able to forgive people when they hurt me. I need him to be able to forgive the sins they didn't do against me. Now we go back. Jesus, when he came to the earth, he came empty, right? He came emptied of his own authority. He only exercised. Jesus, when he exercised authority, it wasn't his authority. He was exercising God's authority. Jesus did not exercise Jesus' will. He exercised the Father's will. And he even told him, when I send the Holy Spirit, the Spirit's not going to exercise his will. It is going to be the Father exercising his will through the Spirit. The only authority is God's. So Jesus, when he's going around, you see, he goes up and he goes up to the men who are, who are sick, right? And, they're, and, and they can't walk or blind, getting lost. He walks up and he performs, he, he, they want healing. And Jesus doesn't heal him. What does he say? When he does, they say, heal us. He, he doesn't heal him. What does he say to him? Your sins are forgiven. All the Jewish leaders, they were mad. The religious leaders were angry. Who does he think he is to forgive the sins of people? So they go to him and they say, by what authority did you do this? Jesus ain't going to play their game, right? He looks at them and he says, I'll tell you what. John the Baptist, was his message from God or was it his own message? Was it his own or was it what God gave him to do? And they wouldn't answer. And he says, well, then I'm not going to tell you by what authority I do it. Jesus did not forgive people on his own authority. He did so on God's authority. And that's not held for clergy. And that's why I'm saying as Protestants, we we kind of see Catholic priests and we're like, no, man, they do that. We don't, you know. no. No, all of us can do it. If you're at work and you've got someone sitting there next to you, and they are sitting there, and they're, and they're upset. They're, this, I can picture it in my head. You've got someone who is broken down, and they're hanging out. They know you're a Christian. They're talking to you. They feel guilty. They've done something wrong, some sin, something. And they're broken down. They're sad, and they're upset about it. They're lamenting, and they're repenting of it. But they aren't Christians. I want you to hear this. 
You have the authority, God's authority, to come alongside of someone who is repenting, who is sorrowful, who wishes they had not done the sin that they had done. You have the authority to forgive them. And it will be forgiven. Do you know how I know that? If, they, if Jesus was standing right there and they were sorry, what would he have said to them? What would he have said to them? There's only one thing. Your sins are forgiven. Because it's the only thing to say. You have the authority because you represent Jesus. You represent the Father in this world. You can forgive people. Not just when they sin against you, but when they've sinned against God. That authority is in you. And again, it's not because Nathan decided, you're forgiven. I have deemed you worthy. It's because God wants them forgiven. He never say no to them. Anyone who confesses, he will never say no to them. So exercise that authority and forgive. Last thing. It's the authority to speak. I want you to realize how cool this is. I, I, this was pretty cool. Genesis 1 begins with God speaking man into existence. He sp- it is God speaking humanity into creation. The last verse of the Bible. Anyone remember what it is? In the book of Revelation, the last chapter, the last verse, John the Apostle Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The Bible begins with God speaking with authority man into creation, and the book ends with man speaking Christ into creation. God's authority has been placed upon you. Here's what Jesus says. Right before this, right before this, Jesus was walking along, saw a fig tree, went to get some food off of it. There wasn't any fruit. He cursed it and walked on. Story continues somewhere else. He comes back as they're passing by. The apostles see it, and it's, it's all withered and dead. And they go, Master, look, it's, it's dead. And here's Jesus' response to them. And Jesus answered them, Mark 11, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. I do not want you to do what we always do with this passage and we write it off as hyperbole that, yeah, that's a nice sentiment that we can pray and pray and pray and maybe God will listen to us. Maybe God will grant us. That's not what it says. It says that when we exercise the authority of Christ that has been given us, when we speak, it will be. Now we come back to that second sermon that's going on in my head at the same time. I, as a Christian, can stand up here and I can speak something in my authority. And nothing will happen. Let me demonstrate. 
I want a plane. Didn't work. See, see how that happened? And that's the way most of us look. And we go, well, see that? That's the way it normally goes, you know. So we look at that passage and we say, well, we, we, he doesn't really mean that we'll get whatever we ask for. No, 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 no. God does not want a plane for me. He doesn't. Unless Darren wants to give me his. All right. He has a plane, if you don't know, Darren does. When I speak what God has not spoken for me, it will not come to be. I am exercising my own authority. When I exercise my own authority, I'll get what my authority deserves. Squat. When I speak God's authority, when I speak his word, it will happen. When I speak his truth, it will come to pass. This morning, right now, you have the power and the authority to speak as Christ spoke for the Father. You can speak for Christ the truth that He has authorized you to speak. You can bring things into being. You can set people free. I have every authority, and not because I'm a pastor, and not because I'm standing up here, just simply because the authority of Christ is in me, I can say to you and know that it will come to pass this morning, whatever burdens you have brought into this place, God will lift right now. Every sin that you struggle with, the chains are now broken. I don't have to ask God if that is true. I am telling you because it is already true. God is here right now. He knows you. He's looking in your face. He sees you. He cares about you. He loves you. speaking to you. He has a plan for you. He will set you free of every struggle that you have so that you can attain to the righteousness that he desires for you. Church, we have scratched the surface of what the power of God even means. It begins with authority. That authority is in you to be used, to be exercised. We get to walk in this life. This is the great thing. We walk with authority. This world can take my 
possessions. They can take my family. They can take my, they can take my life. They will never exert authority over me. This world, like that bully, may shove me down, break my leg so I can't get up. But I will never relent. And in that way, the world never has authority. You can spend your life attaining the authority of this world, the, the, the wealth, the strength, the, all of those things. But the problem is when you die, it's gone. Because it's only based in this existence. But divine power is eternal life that you carry with you into the next. It is the treasures that you store up for yourself in heaven. I'm looking forward to the rest of this month. God, through his authority, sent his son who exercised God's authority died upon a cross, he invites you right now. I invite you in the name of Jesus. Come. Receive him if you have not. This morning there is freedom to come to confess sins. There's no judgment. Who cares? Even if someone did, someone looked, oh man, you're a bad, who cares? That person's a moron and needs to come forward too. I'm dead serious. They are. There's none of that here. God wants to be the only authority in your life. And I'm, last thing I want to say, I could keep going on. I'm telling you, I, I, I drove Jenny nuts one night. She goes, just stop. The joy, the peace, the love of God builds as his power builds in you. Allow him to have authority. Let's stand. We're going to sing our song of invitation.